What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. All right, guys, before we jump into the show, I want to give a shout out to Strava Craft Coffee. It's the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. There's so many different things it can help you with, whether it's headache, back pain, even IBS people have said has helped with. Uh, there's so much that it can do for you. And also, a lot of people say it takes away those coffee jitters for them if that's something you deal with when you're trying to get that jolt in the morning. So check it out. Use the code DNVR25 to get 25% off your first order. And then once you realize you love it, you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and have it sent straight to your door every two, four, six, or eight weeks. And you'll continue to get 20% off every single order. So check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee today. We are DNVR and we are live from Studio A here at the DNVR bar. The A stands for as good as they can. Who are the Broncos that the Broncos need to play as good as they can? I was going to use the word actualization. Oh. As in taking potential and making it reality. That's better. That That is better. We should talk about this before we we go live. We should. (laughs) No, no. Well, that's okay. No, I kind of like, you know, sometimes I like to have it be fresh. Mm. and see the reaction when we're live. I like that too. That's part of it. There's a couple people I've worked with in radio over the years who's, who I'll start talking about something. They'd be like, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Save it for the Save air. Yes. I've definitely done that too. Like, yeah. Especially for our post-game shows when I like walk up here after the game and start mm-hmm. talking with Zach. I'm like, yeah, let's just save it. Let's just save right. it. <laughs> the, first, uh, the first take is usually the best take. Right. And yeah, Exactly. Uh, a couple times especially back when we used to record the pods directly into like our laptops mm-hmm. uh, we'd record like a whole podcast and then realize there was some audio difficulty and you're like trying to redo all of the takes you had and it feels like the listener probably can't feel it but you feel like you're mm-hmm. like reading off a script or something yes it's terrible yeah I'm, I'm re- i remember that and i remember how sometimes when we were going into your laptop for a while it would stop and we'd have to stop exactly where we were and we'd oh what were we saying 60 seconds ago? Yeah, rewind, oh yeah. man that was like the the processor on my laptop was got a little too old couldn't handle all three channels of audio coming in and whatnot it worked a little better with that multi-channel 
recorder that I had mm, tend yep. to just kind of go. A couple times, yeah. Yeah. Too bad I haven't gotten as much use out of that as I thought I would because of, you know, the pandemic and all. Definitely. <laughs> uh, before we jump in, of course, a shout out to MSU Denver, our presenting sponsor, msudenver.edu slash online. We like to keep the conversations fresh. They like to keep their education fresh uh, with rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the into the classroom. So check them out. Uh, 750 total classes, 45 plus online and hybrid programs. You can find what's the best fit for you. And of course, there's always uh, an opportunity to work a full-time job while you're getting an education over at MSU Denver because their students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about about actualization and um, you know, as good as they can. And the question I want to pose to you today, Mace, is you get three players. And the reason I want to do this exercise is because a lot of times you can say, who needs to play the best? Mm-hmm. And sometimes those things can get a little bit unrealistic. It's like, oh, well, yeah, if Teddy Bridgewater plays like Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be amazing. But I want to, and Teddy obviously could be an answer here yeah. and probably should be. But not to lead you in in any direction. But but the question (laughs) I want to ask is if you could choose three Broncos who play to their potential. And what I mean by that is not the potential that we placed on them in the draft, but in terms of the best football that they've played in the NFL. You can choose guys and say, I want them to play as good as they've played. You get three for this home stretch. and, And basically it's saying if this happens, the Broncos should go three and one, four and oh and get themselves a spot in the playoffs. You know, I almost think we should take quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater out of this just because the obvious and perpetual answer is quarterback well, because of the primacy of the position. And let's just quickly talk about that because yeah. we both would have it, and I do. Yeah. I still think it's, it's interesting to talk about the best football Teddy Bridgewater has played. Mm-hmm. Are we already looking at it? I mean, obviously there was that stretch in New Orleans – where I think it was seven touchdowns to two interceptions mm-hmm. over the course of five nine, games. Nine to two. Nine to two over the course of five games. So you pair that down a little bit to four games, and you basically say, like, what, seven to one? Yeah, basically. I mean, and then there's that, that what we saw this year against the Giants game, which was his, I believe that was the highest uh, QBR that he had had. Now, I'm going to go back to what he did down the stretch in Minnesota. And his yardage total was just fine, but I'm thinking back to the last four to, to to the last four games that he played with the Vikings in the regular season before a playoff game. Six touchdowns, one pick. Vikings go three and one. They lose at Arizona by three. That was the Arizona was the number two seed in the NFC and went all the way to the NFC Championship Who's game. Who's their quarterback? Carson Palmer. Ah, yes. And then. They beat the Bears, they beat the Giants, they beat the Packers down the stretch to seal the NFC North. Okay. So so 6 to 1. 6 to 1 and the team having that sort of success. Very much at that moment Teddy Bridgewater very much looked like he was the long-term answer in Minnesota. Here's what I'll tell you. I believe and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um the Bronco well, no, I don't think this is correct. What is the Broncos' record in games in which Teddy has not thrown an interception? I can tell you that right now. I know they've lost every game that he did throw an interception. And he threw an inter- he's thrown interceptions in four games. So he's got seven interceptions clustered in four games. Mm-hmm. So they're seven and six. 
you take those four out, they're seven and three. Seven and three. Yep. So if he goes six to one down the stretch, it means that they probably won three out of four. Right. That's what I was going to say. And yeah. they are definitely, well, based on the, the mm-hmm. pattern that we have, they're going to lose the one that mm-hmm. he throws an interception. They have a really good chance to win in a three that he doesn't. So doesn't mean he's worth $25 million a year. What I will so that's say good enough for the moment. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think anyone wants that. Yeah. Um, Except Teddy's camp. The one, yes, of course. But the one thing that I don't like seeing is people are when we talked about this enough yesterday so we don't have to go too much into it but people rooting against teddy and the broncos because they don't want the broncos to fall into a trap and pay teddy i understand the thinking behind it but what it just seems like a miserable way to go about watching the the rest of the season and i would say they will not they will not pay too much for teddy bridgewater if he's back, it's very much on a breach contract. I mean, I think the interesting thing about that was kind of looking at some at the quarterbacks' contracts in terms of average per year. There is no middle class of quarterbacks. It's really mm-hmm. interesting because in the average 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 annual value per year, you have Tom Brady at twenty five million, who is underpaid. Okay, and then you got the next contracts at fourteen million a year. There's nothing in between. Right. Where's the quarterback middle class? I mean, even yeah. if you watch on the yeah. field, there isn't really one. Right. And if and if there was a guy who deserved middle-class quarterback money based on his performance over the years and kind of what he is, it's Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I put out the on Twitter yesterday kind of going through nine different metrics. And if you put his average ranking in those nine metrics, he's 15th. Yep. Some he's bad, some he's really good. He's at, but it all balances out to average. So what I was going to say is, while both of us were going to have him, mm-hmm. I also think he might be one of the least unrealistic ones to actually go out and do it. Yeah. He's already playing some of, and by statistics over the course of a full season, the best football of his career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure he's had a, a couple different stretches this year where he went six to one over four games. Yeah. The first, uh, like, let's see, the first f- four games, he went five to zero. Yep. And then, uh, if you throw the Pittsburgh game in, it's a six-game stretch of uh, of seven to one touchdown interception. There you go. He hits the interception kind of mountain there against the Raiders, and then actually since the Raiders game, so that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Uh, two, four, two, three, four, five, six, uh, eight touchdowns and three picks. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. he's very capable of it. Right. And it's, obviously, it's not all about touchdown to interception. And we everyone knows that, you know, the stats don't tell the whole right. story. But if you get it, but unless it's garbage time, and, you know, for example, the, the three Raiders touchdowns, there are a couple garbage time ones in there. But unless it's garbage time, if you're getting touchdowns, you're having some success. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and touchdowns are a pretty darn good mm. um, barometer of how well a quarterback is playing. In fact, let, let's see. Teddy has what? He has two games without a touchdown pass. There was actually no indication there because they're one and one. He didn't have a touchdown pass against the Jets, for example. So wow. interceptions are actually the better metric than touchdowns in for, terms of for projecting for him Teddy, for yeah. projecting team success based on what he did, which is what we're what we're going for here. I think. All right. Yeah. So Teddy's off the table. Yep. We, we talked about him. We both would have taken him. So you get three more. <laughs> Who you got first? Bradley Chubb. I I had a feeling. That how, how come you had a feeling? I'm curious. Well, because did you have the same feeling too? 
I did. Uh, and this is funny because I was just talking about how Teddy is the most realistic to do so. Yeah. I hate to say it. Bradley Chubb feels to me like one of the least realistic to do so. And the reason why you choose Bradley Chubb is because the gap between how he's playing now and the best of his career is huge. So if you could get him to yeah. close that entire gap and get back to where he was as a rookie, um, where he nearly set the rookie sack record, mm-hmm. well, then it could be transformative for this defense. Yeah. Did you ever think you would see Bradley Chubb go seven games without a sack? Well, I mean, we saw him go four uh, in the first four games of Vic's career. And so at that point, I didn't know if I'd ever see a sack again. Um, <laughs> but other than that. But no, he got a sack, though, in the last game before he got hurt. The fourth game? Got against okay. the Jaguars. So it was just three games. Yeah. And then he, the funny thing is he, he alluded to this uh, yesterday, talked about how or, that the fourth game is sometimes the one that kind of cranks it up for him, right? So this was his third game back from the injury. And he pointed to, like, last year, week four against the Jets, so take it with a grain of salt, two and a half sacks after going weeks one, two, and three with no sacks. In that season you allude to with Vic Fangio, 2019, taking the job, no sacks the first three games, then he has a sack the fourth game, and that was sadly the day that he tore his ACL and got hurt. So I do think that maybe... He sees kind of that pattern and thinks maybe, okay, maybe this is the moment that I break out. Because even though he played that game against Jacksonville in week two, effectively, his season started when he came back against the Chargers. Yeah. Because he probably shouldn't have been out there against the the Jaguars that day. Oh, it just, it sucks um, yeah. that it feels so, he just feels so far away from what mm-hmm. we saw from him that rookie season. And, um, Maybe it's true. Maybe he does get his feet back under him in that fourth game, and you know he blasts off. Um, no astronaut pun intended, but <laughs> but it was good if you were intending it. <laughs> okay, maybe I think it was. I, I think it. it was subliminally yes. or subconsciously intended. So if you get Chubb back to that, I mean, yeah. that's probably the one thing that this defense, I wouldn't say is missing, but would take them from. Mm-hmm very very good which is what they are right now to dominant and i think you could make the case that they've been dominant but this would be another level of dominance yeah because we're talking about like what impact affects the team and helps the team the most and i mean part of it is obviously positional value if you go past quarterback the next choice is going to be your edge but it's the fact that his ceiling when things are working for him is so high that if he were to hit that it would be it would be transformative for the team. It'd be transformative for him as well. Like I think, in terms of the Broncos having confidence in Bradley Chubb, Chubb needs to do something big here in the next four games because he'll be going into that fifth year option season in twenty twenty two. And let's say he does reasonably well, but it comes on the heels of this season, and it comes uh, not long after. He missed 12 games to a torn ACL back in 2019. Do they would they really have the confidence in Bradley Chubb health wise and performance wise to give him a big deal for 2023 and onward? And that affects your long term planning because you know we talk about all right, what if they go young quarterback in this draft if they can't get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? Well, that's well and good, but if Bradley Chubb isn't the answer, you've got a big flashing in neon need on the edge yep, and it's a good year for edges 
Man, it is. It's it's gonna. It, it just reminds me so much of Shane Ray. Yeah. Which sucks. I mean, you know, Shane Ray's playing in Canada right now. Um, I saw a Shane Ray jersey on Sunday, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, I, I should have probably taken a picture, but I was I was feeling kind of down and. Yeah, you know. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it feels a lot like Shane Ray. Yeah. I mean, you know, Shane Ray's a rookie as the Broncos go win the Super Bowl. Um, he's a big part of that, and you know, it, it's he's obviously um a secondary piece to Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, and even Shaq Barrett at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see so much potential in that year, and then from then on out, it's injury waiting for him to come back, not living mm-hmm. up to it when he comes back. I mean, the the arc is, is similar, um, and it's disappointing, especially since uh, Bradley Chubb was the number five overall pick. That's the thing. Shane Ray, you're picking in the 20s. And yeah. the whole thing was, oh, there's value. He had the uh, he, he had the incident where he got pulled over mm-hmm. and had some marijuana a few days before the draft, and, and it spooked some teams. So remember, what a dumb thing to be spooked by. But uh, yeah. It was a bust anyway. It wasn't so much the marijuana that spooked teams as the judgment right before the draft. Yeah. That's what it was. It, marijuana, I think you and I can agree on this. Who cares, right? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I understand the, the idea of, like, why would you put yourself in that position right mm-hmm. before the draft? I, I do kind of get that, but he's just the one that got caught. Uh, right. They're all, they were all doing the same thing. Right, exactly. They, and every guy knows kind of what you can get away with yeah, in this yeah. environment. But, you know, you got great value there, but at least it was still a pick in the 20s. I mean, really, the only – you sacrificed a little bit of draft capital, and uh, um, Manny Ramirez, remember, was part of that trade to move up and get Shane Ray right, there right. in the 20s. But a number five overall pick has to be transformative for your team. Yeah. And – Again, I think this and it's more grist for the mill of people who go back to the should have taken Josh Allen thing, right? Because right. unfortunately, Bradley Chubb, and I think some of it is beyond his control. It's and that's maybe a lot of it is because injuries are involved. No, and it totally is, and it's just disappointing because like you never know exactly where to categorize those guys mm-hmm. who it wasn't really their fault. Injuries. I can't call them busts. No, there's got there should be another word for it. Um, the Kajana Carter Memorial Trophy. Yeah, or just, just the in, an injury bust. Yeah. Um, it just yeah. So if you were able to get that out of Bradley Chubb, um, it would not only be like I said, transformative for this defense this season. Honestly, it would be transformative for the Broncos moving forward because at this point, if they had to choose right now, I do not think they would resign it. Yeah, I, I, but there's time, and that's the thing that helps Chubb and gives him a shot is he does have that fifth-year option. He, ha- he effectively has 21 games here to show the Broncos that he's worthy of securing a huge bag and investing in him. If you told me right now you've got one play left in the game, it's 4th and eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know the 11-yard line, fourth and goal from the 11-yard line against the Chiefs. Stop, and you're in the playoffs. Who do you want on the edge? I'm saying I want Stephen Weatherly and Jonathan Cooper. Wow. <laughs> Man. I can't argue with that. That's a problem. There, well, and part of it is, even though Chubb is back, I, he doesn't look healthy. Right, and so hopefully right. over the next... Three, four games, he mm-hmm. gets back to right. just being healthy. 
And then, you know, hopefully the production comes from that. I mean, Stephen Weatherly, he, well, he's got two sacks. Um, Jonathan, does Jonathan, Jonathan Cooper has two. Yeah, he, Weatherly's got two sacks. Cooper's got two, two sacks. Malik Reed has five sacks. Malik Reed should probably be on the field. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like on, is he tapered For fourth off? and 11, yes. I think you because you want him for a pass, not a, that where he's struggling is setting the edge against the run. When's the last time he got a sack? Uh, last time Malik Reed had a sack was in the Eagles game. Okay, so it's been a little while. That's why a little recency biases. But he had three sacks. Uh, he he didn't play against the Cowboys, in the and then in the Washington and Philly games, he had three sacks in those two games. That's yeah. So he he had a little mini run there, with Va- with Von Miller first out and then traded, and then uh, the the couple of games leading into it to leading into him missing time. Not much. I mean. He hasn't even had a. He's had one quarterback hit in his last two games. By and that the way. five is leading the team. No, Draymond Jones. Oh, is, Draymond. He's right. leading the edges. Right. Okay. Is Malik Reed, but Draymond because of because of his recent run, which is what four sacks in the last four games, Draymond's now leading the team. The thing is, I, the reason why I went with Chubb rather than Draymond is because we're seeing Draymond at his peak right now. Yep. yep. And you're saying, okay, su- sustain it. Yep. Chubb, we need to see something more out of him. Absolutely. All right, we got two more selections here in a second, but first, I want to tell you about the DNVR bar. You can always come down here and hang out. Uh, We got game sound on for every single game, of course, unless there's an overlap in which we usually go with the uh, road team getting the game sound, but it's a great place to come watch a game. Um, You'll be surrounded by other people who want to watch the game, who want to yell, who want to scream, who want to pound the table when they're mad and pump their fists when they're happy. Uh, it's, It's... to me, like a um, like a dream to mm-hmm. see so many you know Nuggets or Avs fans packing in this place to watch the game all all with their eyes glued on the TV. So come down here, hang out, get you some Breck brews, get you a Wagyu burger, um, and hang out and and you know uh, be a part of the community. So come check out the DNVR bar. While you're at the bar, take advantage of the Wi-Fi that you can get on, and you can go on the DraftKings app because you know what we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL games. But with this latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. That's right. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Hey, bet on the Jaguars if you want, right? Yep. With that. Bet on anyone. Bet on the Jets. Bet on the Texans. You don't even need them to score the point. That's the best part. Right. They can still be shut out. You're still going to win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with same-game parlays. You can combine multiple bets from the same game. So you're, get, you're getting frisky. Maybe you want maybe you want to make a bet on both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon to go, over, to go over 75 yards in a game. Well, DraftKings will let you do that. They'll let you put those kind of parlays together as well. The more you add, the more you can win course you put a little more at risk but that's okay mm-hmm. you know if you're responsible about it it's good DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want so if you're not on DraftKings download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now use the promo code DMVR and bet one dollar on any team to score and win one hundred dollars in free bets if they score you score with promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 
4,700. And finally, I mentioned Breck Brews, the absolute best beers out there. They're damn good beers, as I've said for many years. Uh, and really, no matter what you're in the mood for, Breck Brew is going to have something for you. Um, at the tailgate uh, this Sunday, I was feeling Breck Lagers, which was just a great, nice uh, sipping beer. Um, and a crushing beer, I guess, is a, is a better way of putting it. As uh, in you crush the beer? Right. You, cru- you yeah. crush one and then the other and then, and then you the crush other. another. Exactly. How high did you get um, on Sunday? Not very high at all. Okay. Um, there was a... It's just... Yeah. It was one of those days, you know, where you're just like, eh, I don't think I'm going to go too hard here. It was a different vibe on Sunday, obviously. Yeah, I think that probably Demarius Thomas played a role in it. Yeah. Um, anyways, Strawberry Sky, Christmas Ale, of course, is is very in season right now so check out breckenridge brewery and have any of their damn good beers if you want to know where you can find some use the breck brew locator on their website and you can find where the nearest ones are to you all right Mace. by the way first of all before we move on sure what is the weather forecast looking like for sunday for this for yet another dmvr tailgate with those breck brews we're looking right now guys at a high of 53 degrees and mostly so and Mostly sunny skies. A little bit of a chance of clouds. How I don't know how we're going to do this. We At this point, we have a chance to go perfect, uh, what would it be, nine of nine? With weather? Yes. yes. I guess there was one cold game. It was the uh, Washington football team game. Yeah. And it was the lowest attendance. Yeah. so Maybe, maybe not a coincidence. Maybe eight of nine. Um, and even if we end up going seven of nine with good weather in yeah. a football season, that's pretty lucky. In Denver, Colorado, it's incredible. Yeah, it's so. very lucky. I mean, we, we obviously get sun, but it can, be, it can be very cold and sunny at the same time. Yes, exactly. So this is, yeah, it's a great day. To, it's going to be a great day to come on out. And of course, uh, can we say this is the biggest home game the Broncos have played? And I know we, t- we were kind of pumped about the Ravens game earlier, but this really is the biggest home game the Broncos have played in five years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those things are – it's a sliding scale, right? Yes. So that was then, and this is now. Yeah, this, um, this is the moment. They're basically an elimination game for all intents and purposes, even though technically you'll still have a chance. Realistically, the loser is in deep, deep trouble in this game. It is a playoff game on Sunday. Love it. I love yep. it. I'm super excited. And we had an amazing atmosphere at the tailgate for the Lions game, so I assume this yep. one will be even better. Yep, exactly. Okay. All right. Two more slots here that we've got to fill. Um, I'll stick with you on Bradley Chubb. Uh, let's see if we have any uh, different opinions here moving forward. All right. Let me ask you this. Is one of the next two players for you a wide receiver? Yes. <laughs> Is one of the next two players for you a guy who only had one catch on Sunday? Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Is one of the next two players for you a pro bowler? No. Mm, okay. Enlighten us. Right, well, first I want to hear about your choice. Cortland Sutton. Yes. Um, and again, Zach's been really hard on court, um, and I've been defending him. Uh, and Zach yesterday even said, like, well, if you're going to defend Cortland, you have to defend Teddy too, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. The offense is not calling for Cortland Sutton to get the ball right now, and I realize how frustrating that is. So I'm not necessarily saying that he's not – playing up to his potential right now. Mm-hmm. But if I could take the production and just say, like, you're going to get this production from Cortland Sutton, 
that thousand yard receiver production, that pro bowl caliber production, the, the diving catches in the back of the end zone, you know, the mossing, the stretch, uh, the defense, right? Exactly. Production. That's I think the big thing here. I want that. So this is almost more about the offense. Now, again, I fully acknowledge that the formula for the Broncos has been identified as running the football. Mm-hmm. If they can run the ball 40 times, that's great. But even if you run the ball 40 times, you still got to throw the ball, let's say even go on the low scale, 20 times. Mm-hmm. If I can get Cortland Sutton breaking the top off of the defense, even just moving the chains with slants or comeback routes, um, and just honestly dominating, which he's capable of taking over a game. We've seen it this year. He had a 140-yard game. The Jacksonville game. So. Yeah. If I can get that, I, I got to have it um, because, again, it's it's more about the strategy of where he is playing now and where we've seen him play before. And, again, I'm not necessarily blaming that on him, but I just want – if I could pick and choose and say, well, mm. they're going to run the ball and get the great Cortland Sutton, I want that. You know, I think you you may have sold me into changing my pick because – I, when I was thinking about this, I wonder if I was too locked into accepting that certain things just weren't going to happen the rest of the season with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. And one of them was unlocking Cortland Sutton because I had Jerry Judy mm. as the receiver. And it's not that he's played badly recently. In fact, effectively, he's wide receiver one right now. But five, five catches this last week. I believe it was four the week before, yeah. and he led the team in receiving yards. But it's like it's for 47 yards this yeah. past week, and it's just very. It's very men. Now, some of that, some of that's on Teddy Bracewater, which goes back to why you have to start this with the quarterback and why it's probably best to kind of move, remove the quarterback from this discussion because Bracewater did not set Judy up well on Sunday. He wasn't leading him. The no. ball was behind him. I mean, it, there's an old story about Bill Walsh and Joe Montana with the 49ers. I know how you all love my old story. Some people are probably rolling their eyes. But... It's valid here because I was thinking about it with Bridgewater and Judy. When they would practice, if you had a, a receiver kind of on a crossing route or slant and the receiver wasn't led, Bill Walsh would mark that as an incomplete pass mm. in practice because the whole thing was how do you make sure you're setting the target best to get more yardage after the catch. I mean, you think back to Jerry Judy last year. I mean, that that 92-yard catch from catch and run from Drew Locke, well, it was lead. Yep. And and te- um, and, and they're leaving yards out there. So some of it is on Bridgewater, but then if you're but we're talking about a player getting up to his potential, if the if Judy is up to his potential, then that ball is lead and he's turning that little 7-yard dig into a play that goes for 20. I don't know if any, anyone on the Broncos has this type of um, cachet built up, but uh, there was a story that came out about Nathan McKinnon this offseason mm-hmm. in which uh, Nikita Zadorov said that if someone, if they're practicing and someone throws him a pat, like, mm-hmm. or passes him the puck, mm-hmm. um, that and it's not on the tape, he won't even attempt to retreat. Like, he won't even attempt to get it. Yeah. And he'll just be like, do it again. So like if you if you're just like this much off, you just won't even move his stick. It goes right by it, and he just run it back. And like I'd love to see. I would too. <laughs> like Jerry Judy would be the one who would do this. Is like you throw it high, he just doesn't even reach off. He's like do it again. The receiver has to yeah. The receiver has to reach down. Yeah, he can make the catch, but there's nothing happening after that. 
And that's and look if Te- look if Teddy Bridgewater and this offense are going to be anything the rest of the way, the dynamic element probably isn't coming from him pushing the ball vertically. It's him leading his targets. Yeah, and giving them the chance to do stuff after the catch. And so if and if and if that is done for Judy, all of a sudden Judy goes from I mean somebody who he's averaging what like this past game it was like nine point two yards a reception. That's not where Jerry Judy should be. Mm-mm. Jerry Judy, you should be able to get up to around 14 yards of catch. But is anyone steady. averaging what they should be? No one is. Yeah. No one is. I mean, I think you could you could choose both Cortland and Jerry and be correct on this. Right. Yeah. And so, all right, I'll yeah. take Cortland. You take Jerry. That's fine. Let's let's have it be different. All right. Fair That's enough. That's another reason. It's, it's very much sports talk radio. But if we just have the same three, it's boring. And I think I really do think there's a legitimate case for both of them. Yeah. The only thing is, what is the best stretch we've seen from Jerry where mm-hmm. where you're saying, okay, well, he's going up to that. I'm sure it would probably be at the end of the season last year because he had a 120 yard game in there. He did. Like he had a 140 yard game in week seven. In in week 17, he had 19 yards two weeks earlier and 61 the week before. You'd actually go to a stretch from the Charger game. Through the Raider game last year, he had one touchdown, but in that three-week stretch, he had 15 catches for, if my math math is is correct here, 266 yards Mm. and a touchdown. Yeah. So he was averaging just a tick under 90 yards a game, 89 yards a game on five catches, five for 89. So, So now you're talking about a pretty good per catch average there. Yep. Nearly, uh, I, I believe that's nearly uh, 19 yards of reception. Man, it yeah. is just so um, frustrating, for lack of a better term, to me that Pat Shermer can't go out there and watch the way that Cooper Cup is utilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he's the best receiver in the NFL I'm talking about. Uh, at least from uh, all statistical categories, would say so. Yeah. Um, and because of the 17 game season, he's probably going to break yep. league records this year. Yep. Uh, going for the triple crown: most receptions, most receiving yards, most receiving touchdowns. Yeah. Um. So, like the way he's used, um, the way a guy like Devonte Adams is used. Again, I'm talking about the best receivers in the NFL here, but. They're also the best route runners in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jerry Judy is in the class of. Yeah. And like the zig routes, uh, like zig return, all this stuff that those guys use their footwork to beat their defenders. And I'm just not seeing them. Oh, I know they're not using it in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even seeing them use it in, in short yardage. Get him isolated and give him an opportunity to just beat his guy. And he, I know he can do it. He's getting open. And the, th- the other thing is, I don't know what it kind of is the issue with Bridgewater and Cortland Sutton, but Bridgewater does appear to trust Jerry Judy at this yep. point. So that's why I'm like, okay, just give him a better shot here. Give him a better shot. I mean, more slants. Like, yeah. I'd like to see mm-hmm. them attempt to throw Jerry Judy a slant four or five times and a game. Get it to him in stride. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can definitely get mm-hmm. on board with that take. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. So, right now, you've got Chubb. Judy and who? I've got Chubb, Judy, and this was tough. This this was really tough. Um, this is a guy who's been pretty good at times and actually has been getting better, especially in run blocking. But I want to see him just be. 
the brick wall that he was last year, and that's Garrett Bowles. Mm, really good one. Hadn't thought of him. Yeah. it's The problem is offensive line is a little harder to easily quantify in terms of, of data. So, like, we can point to, like, stats for Bradley Cho. We can point to stats for uh, for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. It's not as easy with the offensive line. And to Bowles' credit, he has played better. Went through a little bit of a rough patch earlier in the season. But, again, it's going to, look, goes back to kind of Teddy Bracewater as well. We should kind of, you hate, at least for these four games, this doesn't mean he's the long-term answer. Certainly, I don't think any of us believe he's the long-term guy here. Nope. But for these four games and maximizing what this team is, all roads kind of point back to the quarterback, whether it's in every he, season for every team. <laughs> right. Whether whether it's, you know, you got to you got to lead. You got to give Cortland a shot. You've got to lead Jerry Judy. And in this case, it's you got to protect him. And you've got you've got to give him you got to give him a chance. Bowles is. And I think the entire offensive line takes its cues from Garrett Bowles being the longest tenured member on the team of the offensive line. And I just want to see more of what we've seen in the last few weeks from him. I want to see him at that level that got him into the all pro conversation last year. Yeah. If he, and if he, if he is, then Bridgewater's going to have a half second more. And then you're going to have even more openings for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. You're going to be able to keep doing the things that you do best the things that allow you to have success i think you bring up uh great points there uh and i have a hard time even arguing with it well no i think this is a case where probably all of our choices you can argue and be you can you can say they're all right like i think i i don't disagree with you on Cortland sutton yep i think i think that there's a great case for that so Mm -hmm. this last one my first two have been more about getting back to what the best is yeah. um, for guys who haven't exactly been there. But this last one I have to pick, in my opinion, because I, the Broncos can't afford for this part of the game to slip at all. Mm-hmm. So this is a tough decision between two guys. I'm going to go with just the more exciting one uh, and take Javante Williams mm-hmm. because I feel like I can count on Melvin. I don't think Melvin's is is going to slip up and start playing poorly all of a sudden. Just but, there's not a high leverage fumble, right? But you do worry a little bit about the rookie wall, especially for running back. Um, now he's probably getting, I would venture to guess, less usage than he's even used to um, compared uh, as it as it mm-hmm. relates to touches. Yeah, um, he split carries in college too. He did, of course. Yeah, because yep. he had Michael Carter's now with the Jets. Yep, which sort of kind of I think illuminates part of maybe the Broncos thinking and what they do long term that as Terrific as Javante Williams is, he's always been in a timeshare situation when he's flourished. And you look at the opposite side of that is like Philip Lindsay, who was used so much in college. And he's and, beat up and he was run into the ground at a very early age. And I, wor- I worry that that is affecting him at this point. Um, so, yeah, there's there's something to that, going and getting guys who have a little less tread off the tires. Mm-hmm. Um, was the whole critique of Wisconsin running backs for a long time. Now, the interesting thing with Melvin Gordon why he's kind of eluded that and has succeeded is he was not, it took him a while before he was the man in Madison because he sat behind, he sat behind Monte Ball for a good while Mm -hmm. when he got there. Not only that, but in the NFL, he's always been in a split backfield. Right. So like Melvin Gordon, I mean, he's, 
you know, he, he can be a, a workhorse, but he's never had to be. He's always he's always had some like Austin Eckler and Danny Woodhead. With the Chargers, Danny Woodhead. Somebody else has has all has always been there. And I think you kinda it's interesting, like you start thinking about what is it gonna cost to bring Melvin Gordon back. Honestly, I think it makes a lot of sense if if the cost is right to bring him back. The problem is, what if a team like Buffalo says, "Boy, Melvin could really have made a difference for us if we'd had him this past year, and we will pay him more than market value would dictate." What do you think market value is? I think appropriate market value for Melvin going into his eighth year is probably a, I believe about five million. I think Spotrac had five point one million a year. Man, I'd be willing I, to go as high as I'd be willing to go as high as like eleven million over two, which is five and a half. Man, I have no issue with that. I don't None. either. Um, but he might think, oh, there might be one team that pays me the contract that I just got from Denver. The only thing I would I would say is there has to be some sort of understanding that this is uh, a transition period where Javante becomes the starter. Mm-hmm. At least that's the plan. Yeah. I mean, and I'm totally understanding of Melvin if he says, like, uh, I'm still a starting running back. I'm but not going to accept that. What if that extends Javante? I mean, all of us, if you keep the two of them together and you're not giving Javante everything, what if that all of a sudden makes it possible for you to re-sign Javante once Melvin's contract expires? Because if you give Melvin a two-year deal, let's say two years, $11 million, Javante Williams would then be going into year four when that contract expires. If you get out ahead of the free agent year, something we've seen George Payton, he wants to get out ahead, re-sign Jav- and it becomes palatable, re-sign Javante Williams because he's been in a 50-50 split. So, anyways, so, going anyway, back to my... This is really long-term, yes. but yes, Javante is more spectacular. Totally. Yes. Melvin so, is steadier. Javante is spectacular. So I feel like I can already count on Melvin to be steady. Yes. If I can also count on Javante to be spectacular, which mm-hmm. we, we already have seen that he can be spectacular, you know, a couple hundred yard games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or is it just one hundred yard game? He's got uh, two because he okay. had Dallas and, uh, the, and the Chiefs. So a couple hundred yard games. Um, if, if he can continue to be spectacular for the last four games mm-hmm. of the season, you continue to get Melvin, mm-hmm. you get Cortland unlocked, this team is going to win games for sure. They might win all of them. They might. If, the, if, if all of these guys that we've talked about can, pl- can maybe not be at their potential but can be a notch higher than they have been, this team at minimum is 3-1, and one, maybe 4-0. They're going. They're go- if all this happens, this team is going to the playoffs. Quickly, period. quickly, just before we move on here, are you as concerned about the Bengals' run defense as I am? Um, I'm slightly concerned. I'm more concerned about the Broncos' run defense against Joe Mixon. Mm, interesting. We'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Um, the top five run defense. Yeah, the Bengals. I just think if anyone's going to be the team to say we're taking away the run. In saying, like, mm-hmm. we're already a good run defense. We'll even commit extra resources to this. Beat us with your arm. Mm-hmm. I think they're the team to do it. They will. You imagine they will try to stack the box. The, th- the thing that is interesting is we've seen some heavy box looks in the last couple of weeks, and yet we've seen the Broncos' offensive line winning those battles. Yeah. More often than not. Well, and it helps when you get guys out on the move right. and you're able to kind of add to your um you know artillery as you get out on the edge it is so helpful for a young a youngish offensive line like this one as well where you have Cushenberry's a second year guy and Miners is a is a rookie and it's really playing into Quinn Miners' hands i mean one of the reasons why 
he has been more than I think anyone really expected this year is because he's been put in an advantageous situation where he's been more often not dictating in run blocking rather than dropping back in pass pro. Has it been perfect? No. Look at the fourth down and two against the Chiefs. Yeah. But most of it from Quinn Miners has been terrific. And I think and I think that's that's helped uh, that's helped Cushionberry as well. Mm-hmm. It, and, I, and I think you're taking advantage yeah. of those guys being young and yes. spry and, you know, like powerful. Right. And they, they want to get out there and run yeah. people over. I mean, and it's I think it's helped Dalton Reisner, too. Yeah. Because, oh, big time. Because Dalton, let's face it, with Dalton Reisner after his rookie season like this, the trajectory had been kind of pretty steady like this until really the last month and a half. Yep. When they really started to, to pump up the run a little bit. Reisner has start, has has now. I think I saw it somewhere this morning, and I apologize for not citing who, but that Reisner has gone from being overrated to now being really underrated. Well, they changed the running scheme after the bye too. Yeah, they've been running duo and outside zone again, which is where Dalton thrived as a rookie instead of the power block. But it was started. Was but it started against Dallas though. Yeah, that was the thing. Well, though it started before the bye, and they him. started. They're running the ball a bunch more, and we talked about this either yesterday or on the post game show. So they've had to add more runs mm-hmm. to the fold. Um, so you're seeing more counter. You're seeing more uh, pulling mm-hmm. guards. You're seeing all that stuff, mm-hmm. and I love it. I love. Uh, you can be creative while just handing the ball. Off. It's what they drafted him for. Remember, yep. Dalton Reisner was drafted by Rich Gangarello. Yeah, and when he was running the offense. And so there was going to be plenty, there was going to be plenty of counters going to be plenty outside zone. Yep. He was, he was designed for what the Broncos are doing, ha, have done successfully this year. Of all the players on the Broncos right now, Javante Williams is the one that I get most excited to see on Sundays. Yeah. You know what? An electric running back. If you can't have the quarterback, the elect, no offense to receivers, pass rushers, everybody else. The electric running back is the thing that excites you the most. I mean, you and this is not just a recent thing. I'm thinking back to when the Detroit Lions would cycle through like Rodney Pete, Eric Kramer, Scott Mitchell at quarterback in the 1990s. Why were they one of the most exciting teams in football? Barry, Barry freaking Sanders. Yeah. If you've got that kind of guy, why are the Titans? Why were the Titans exciting the last few years? No offense to Ryan Tannehill. It was Derek freaking Henry. Yeah. That's why you tune in to watch. Every time he touches the ball, you think you might see like a a giant gazelle go just galloping across the field. Just, yeah, a gazelle galloping or a a rhinoceros running over somebody. Or when you're talking about these times. Gazelle wasn't a good comp. Well, no, but the thing that these special running backs have, the bigger, like the bigger ones that can get out in space, like Javante, he's not as tall as Derek Henry. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of squat. But the bigger guys that get out in space, they have the speed of a gazelle, but they have the power of a rhino. Yep. So they've got that that blend where you just—it's breathtaking to watch. And then you—you know, when you have a Barry Sanders, it's a little bit different. But you know, most of the great running backs historically have been kind of that blend of speed and power. They've had some—they've they've had some, as Vic Fangio would say, some oomph. Yep. And there's also like a different roar that you get from the crowd when because it builds, right? Well, also just when a running back like breaks a tackle on the mm-hmm. edge, you know, like it's one on one, and Javante Williams gets the stiff arm and it goes from two yards to twenty, and everyone just loses their mind. Well, it's like, and it's receiver, and it's something we thought of with the late Demarius Thomas this past week, 
when you listen to the crowd on that play, when does the crowd go to another level? Stiff arm. The stiff arm. Yep. Wait, because at that point, you know this is a good play that is going to become really special. And so when Javante kind of breaks through, it breaks through and breaks past attack where it has that stiff arm, this is something that's about to be really special. Fasten your seatbelts. This is, and there's, not, there's nothing like it. I mean, Terrell Davis had that same kind of oomph to him. Yep. Clinton Portis did, too, while he was here. One thing that I think we're seeing recently, too, to finish off the Javante conversation is, you know, Melvin's such a good red zone running back that he gets a lot of those carries down there. But Javante has a nose for the end zone. I mean, his two touchdowns Mm -hmm. the other day were both just willing your way to the goal line. The one where he's got two guys on him and he just gets through them is awesome. But the you know the throw he has to kind of reach back and stumble a little bit and another spins. example of not leading your receiver yeah. but to Javante's credit he has such good body control that he's able to keep his balance and still get to the end zone and spin it's off wild. one guy yeah, and extend an, the ball it's I mean, incredible he really he can taste it when he gets close in there and yeah. uh, and it's really really exciting and I don't I talked with you saw the uh, the the knee pads that he, or the the thigh pads that he's got. Do, 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 it's kind of a killer. Yeah, killer instinct. Yeah, killer instinct. Oh, all right. Man. Uh, before both we... of them have a killer instinct. Let's not dismiss Melvin's killer instinct in the red zone either. But Melvin is awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. he's about to. What, what, what was it? You posted the stat about. He's going it, one more touchdown. He becomes the only player in the NFL with five double digit touchdown seasons since 2015, which was his rookie season. Devontae Adams is closing in, but he's, I think, three off. That's remarkable. Yeah, any position. Think about that. He really has a nose for the end zone. He does. And and you know what? That's a skill. And that's why before the Broncos decide to let him go, I think they should think twice and try to make something happen because it really does work with both of these guys. It really does. All right, before we move on, we have a new partner here at DNVR. We're super, super excited about them. It's Lightshade Dispensary, uh, and you can use the code DNVR. Use the code DNVR for 25% off your order at Lightshade Dispensary. You can shop online. You can visit a Lightshade location near you. Uh, Great, great dispensary. And this month, they really want to push escape artists. I don't know. Uh, about you mace but they've got these topical um cbd creams that you can use and a lot of people really swear by they really look i've had some experience with these topical cbd creams uh, a little bit of a little bit of a back back issue mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and uh you know had some massages and all that but when i need some instant relief some quick relief the cbd bomb really truly works i, I will vouch agree. for it 100 my mom swears by the stuff yeah. um and the in things fact, you have to worry about when you get older ryan yeah and in <laughs> fact um when we go on vacation you get a little sunburn yeah my mom will keep one in the fridge Ooh, so you get smart. like a cooling sensation you put it on the sunburn Ooh, it's great stuff i have to think about um, that next summer wow and they carry of course escape artists over there at light shade and they have 800 800 creams uh, which is the highest potency type of cream available um, you feel it in about 10 minutes 
the relief lasts for about 10 hours, sorry, two to three hours. Um, really, really good stuff. And again, where can you find it? You can find it at Colorado's premier dispensary, Light Shade Dispensary. Use that code DNVR for 25% off. That's a really, really good deal uh, mm-hmm. over there at Light Shade Dispensary. They, they just hopped on board, so go check them out. Let them know DNVR sent you with that code DNVR. Also, some really good deals over at Manscaped. It's the the gift that keeps on giving. You know what? We're coming down here to the end of football season. But football season means that Manscaped is going for two. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the two million men worldwide, about four million testicles, who trust Manscaped by using the code DNVR at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. Saw some Wildcat last night, didn't we? We did. Oh, there's the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It's the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and a hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the in the red zone. By the way, did you see that Tom Brady has like 60 touchdowns and no interceptions in the red zone? Yeah, since he joined the Bucks. Bucks, it's amazing. Yeah, you want to be smooth like that. The performance package will help you do that. You got the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, which will take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on off switch. It can engage a travel lock and Gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's waterproof. So, just like football, they play in the rain, snow, and sleet. Doesn't matter what's going on, what, you know, wet, dry. The Lawnmower 4.0 will work because it's waterproof. There's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. I'm sorry. I love saying that one. <laughs> Don't forget that the package, the performance package, also comes with the Weed Whacker, the Elite Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. It is also waterproof, and it's got a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system, which will make sure that when you're trimming those annoying hairs in your ears and your nose that you're not going to cause any damage to anything else. It's completely safe. And that Performance Package 4.0 has got the liquid formulations. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your balls game to the next level. So... Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Get that performance package. Hey, maybe you don't want to give it to somebody else. Treat yourself. It's okay to get yourself a Christmas gift. And if you need to make sure you've got better coverage down below the waist, what better way to do that than by using the code DNVR at manscaped.com, getting 20% off and free shipping for that performance package 4.0. Check it all out at manscaped.com. Also, I want to check out our friends over at Mint Mobile. Now, this is a really cool setup that they have at Mint Mobile because they've taken away kind of the middleman here uh, by taking away retail stores. Uh, and because of that, they have so much less overhead than your traditional wireless carriers that they're able to give you much, much better deals. It's the same level of coverage. And the way it works is you order from Mint Mobile. Uh, and right now you can actually buy three months, get three months free from Mint Mobile. And what they do is they just send you a SIM card. Take out the existing SIM card in your phone. You put in the new SIM card from Mint Mobile. And 
you get an incredible deal starting at just $15 a month. The amount of money you can save by switching to Mint Mobile and just going a little bit outside of your comfort zone. It's so easy to go to one of these traditional providers. What you'll realize is they have figured out, they've, they've schemed the system to save you a bunch of money by taking out the stores that no one even likes going into. It's like the secondary DMV, in my opinion. You have to make an appointment. You gotta, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like on a list up on some screen. Yeah. No one wants to do that. You don't have to do that with Mint Mobile. And they'll take great care of you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So check out our friends over at Mint Mobile. And again, right now, you can get three months and get you can buy three months, get three months free for the holidays. It's a great, great deal. It's a great way to put a little more money in your pocket. Another great way to put money in your pocket. Maybe you want a different job. Maybe you want to do something different, right? I think we're good. I, I, I we'll, we'll talk about ball later. Okay. All right. Uh, let's right. jump into the comments here. Well, I thought that was on the. I'm looking at the script here. I but we already hit three. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, there were four on there. I know. There was, <laughs> it was a. Uh, we're good. We're good. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, I can tell you all about jobs.ball.com. Search for Golden or text Golden to 77222. There you go. There uh, you. Check out our friends over at Ball. They're hiring and <laughs> it's a great place to get a job. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's jump into the comments from the listeners here. And first, we'll see if we have any super chats. Do we? Okay. No super chats. Oh. Let's oh move well. directly into the comments from the listeners then. And the first one comes in from Mile High Till I Die. My boys, yesterday on the pod, the idea of signing Baker Mayfield signed up. And if Ru- if Russ or Rodgers aren't available, I, for one, would be very interested in this option. I've heard the argument that the Browns should keep Baker because he's better than any QB they could get in the draft. And I think that logic applies to why the Broncos should pick up Baker if he's available. I also think Baker would be coming to a similar but better situation with the Broncos. We have an absolute beast running back duo, just like Hunt and Chubb. And we have a great defense. I think we have a better receiving team than the Browns, and a healthy Baker would probably do really well with them uh, with all the receiving talent on this team. On top of that, I love how gritty and tough Baker is. I don't think he gets enough credit for being injured all season. Uh, at the end of the day, I'd rather pay a guy who helped bring a doomed franchise to the playoffs than gamble on a super iffy quarterback class. You know, there's something to the fact that it is, it is a franchise that has, has had a lot of trouble and they're doing. And they have done better with Baker Mayfield than they have before. Mm-hmm. Um you do you do wonder if he's doing himself a disservice by continuing to play clearly injured. I think so. I mean, yeah, Baker, you're tough. We all we've all known that for a while. Yeah. There's no question about it. Are you hurting your team by continuing to go out there? Uh I don't think hurting the team, but I do think hurting himself. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And I guess you could say he's hurting the team if Case Keenum would be better out there than right. Baker and I maybe. just don't think he would. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. But he's not doing himself any favors. And uh, I think mile high till I die. There's a that is a valid point that if you looked at the quarterbacks available in the draft and said who could help us more, it might be Baker Baker Mayfield. The problem, of course, is that he's on the fifth year option, so he costs a lot more mm-hmm. than those rookie quarterbacks, and then you've got to decide very quickly whether you're giving him a big deal or not. So that's what's kind of the perilous part of that equation. What do you think the price would be for him? If uh, you re-signed him? Yeah. I mean, the fifth-year option probably is going to be about $25, Um So you probably got to go up into the 30s? To re-sign him? Yeah, I mean... That's the going rate at this point. It is, I know, and... Uh, and the danger zone is paying elite money for a guy who's pretty good or average. And mostly it's mm-hmm. paying elite money for a guy who can't get you over the top. 
Right. And that's and I think that's a valid question. He might be able to do more for you this year, but then is the juice worth the squeeze beyond that? Considering what you'd be paying. Whereas if you if you found one of these quarterbacks, now you'd have to hope that, that the quarterback you took hit, but that would certainly be more cost effective. You'd have to believe that you can fix him, you can protect him better uh, than the Browns yeah. have. And I and, like Baker a lot. I know you do too. Yeah, I really do. And I like his leadership. I like his fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his he would, snappiness. He would connect, I think, with this fan base really well. Because what is what is one of the critiques of Teddy Bridgewater? Not a lot of fire, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of vo- of palpable fire. I mean, it's not that he doesn't want to win, but he's just very kind of cool in his mindset. Whereas Baker, the all the emotions are at the surface with Baker. But that there's good and bad to that. Like the story that was in uh, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer by Mary, Mary Kay Cabot said, like one of his objections to what was going on, like to Cleveland right now, was that. Some of the uh, analysis of him on the team's in-house radio show was critical. He shouldn't be hearing that. Yeah. Why is he listening to that? Like, the, but it's but <laughs> part of it was the expectation that if it was in-house, that it should always be supportive. And you have a unique position on that, having worked in that position. Before. I mean, you have to be on. Like, it, if you're going to do that, it can't always be sunshine and lollipops, and everything is great. You have to, and it, it shouldn't be personal, but you have to say the quarterback is struggling. His numbers are down. You can't ignore that. Right. These are like, fa- how can you these have a conversation in, about right. the Browns and not say, like, they need more from Baker down the stretch? Right. Do they not? Do they ignore that? I mean, I think, I, I think one of the things that is a weakness of Baker Mayfield is that he pays too much attention to what is said and what is written. Remember the whole thing with Tony Grossi a few oh, years yeah. ago? Yeah. He, he, he's got to quit that. He does. It's going, it's going to paralyze him. Good news for him. Broncos don't have a team radio station. Not anymore. <laughs> but I'm, but they have a, a branded show, Broncos Country Tonight That's on KOA. True. And then they have all the stuff, that they, the, the podcast they crank out. But they don't have – it's not the same. Like with the Browns, they have an actual radio show that goes out on the sports radio station in the market five days a week. Yep. And the studio is right there at Browns headquarters. Yep. So. My question for you, RK, given the cost, would you rather have Baker or Garner? Oh, I mean, the cost is what? $30 million versus 10 like, Actually, for net, because Gardner Minshew is still on his rookie deal, and he's going to be in year four of his rookie deal. So for this coming year, it'd be about a million two. Oh, gosh. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you would take the... You take the cheaper option. You would not. I don't think those two guys are all that comparable, other than the fact that they both have like mustaches. Yeah, I mean um, Baker's got a better arm. I, yeah, I just meant yeah. because it's guys you guys have talked about a lot. I agree. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point, Kale. And um, I and you have to do you have to factor in the co- the cost in the overall roster building equation into this. My plan would probably be to bridge the gap for one more year. No one wants to hear it. It sucks. You find a way. Is to- it bridge pun? No, because I don't think Teddy's going to take a one-year deal at a cheap rate. Are you ready for Andy Dalton? No, I want Gardner Minshew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Find a way to get Gardner for one more year um, and then get yourself ready for that next draft class that's going to uh, include Bryce Young and um, C.J. 
Stroud? Yes, yeah, CJ Stroud. I always want to say Shroud because the Buffs have a quarterback named JT Shroud. Oh, yeah. You know, that is probably the wiser play, but then if you're doing that, it has to be accum- it has to be paired with draft asset accumulation. Oh, totally. Like you have to be willing to trade down and even out of round one to of this year to get assets for 2020. You have to be that team like um, the Eagles last year yeah. where everyone is saying, oh, man, they control the first round. Right. And they're sitting, now the Eagles are sitting there with three first round picks uh, all in the teens. The Giants have two top 10 picks because they, they did take the deal from the Bears. And both of these teams are in a position to kind of dictate terms here in the draft. Yeah. Really, really interesting stuff. Next one's from Hawkeye, Hawkeye Bronco. Fellas, thinking of Noah Fant and how he's generally underachieved considering his draft status, I'm more inclined to blame the coaching staff than the player. At Iowa, he was used as a vertical threat with deep crossing routes and wheel routes and simply overmatching safeties and linebackers. He was also a major target uh, on seam routes and in the red zone. In his three years in Denver, I don't recall a single deep crossing route or any targets on seam routes. No reason he can't produce like Kittle or Hawkinson. He just needs to be asked to do what he does best instead of three-yard crosses and out routes. What say you guys go Broncos and go DNVR? You know, I agree with every point yep. there of that. And the thing is, in spite, of, in spite of that, he's sitting there having a really good season. Yeah. I mean, not in terms of, of yards per catch, but he's leading the, he's leading the team in receptions. Right now... RK, Noah Fant is sitting there, and he, among league tight ends, he is seventh in receptions with 53. Uh, He's he's catching the ball a bunch. Yeah. And we saw on Sunday what happens when you do get him kind of out, get get him out out in space, get him going up the sideline. They they need more of that. I'm just so tired of seeing him catch the ball with his back to the end zone. Again, some of that is placement. Totally. Yeah. Um, but the other thing here, and maybe this is what Pat Shermer would say, is you've got a lot of guys who are more successful going vertical, but you can't just run four verticals all day. You can't. And some of Noah Fant's best plays are making are, are are you know when he's been in space horizontally, and then it comes down to he has to do a better job of making people miss. But I think he's I think he's closer to breaking out than being a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Much closer. Yep. One thing that this just reminded me of about Cortland Sutton, too, mm-hmm. is that I, I wonder if he's not necessarily comfortable running the full tree um, with his knee right now. Um, because something that he was so good at was those comeback routes uh, yeah. in his first couple of years. And I, I can't think of one time um, this year where that's been like, a you know, the, the, the play they're going to or it's something that that's a big part of the of the um, game plan. Off the top of my head, I, I think you're right. I can't, because teams I can't have that. to play him off yes. because he's such a dangerous vertical threat that, you know, you run 10 yards and stop, um, you got a chance to be wide open there. It makes him easy to defend because but you're only focused on the one thing. That's a lot of pressure on your knees going full speed and stopping. And sometimes that's the last thing to come back is being able to th- the stop, start, the cuts. Yep. And so anyway, Kendall Hinton, Hall of Famer. I want to respond on the topic of the wide receivers. Caps are for emphasis because WR in caps. No hard feelings. Cortland Sutton's lack of production goes back six games. You guys kept framing the response in terms of the last three weeks, but it's also short side. not look at the long-term consequences and say it's okay because we're winning games right now. It obviously frustrates the fan base. It can lead to talent leaving your team or scaring talent away in free agency 
or lead to discontent in the locker room. You guys cannot have forgotten Judy's tweet about conditioning and how you're seeing more targets than Sutton and Patrick are now. Plenty of teams with worse receivers find ways to win by throwing. Plenty of teams with a productive rushing attack and receivers producing more than this. The Eagles are the most run-heavy team by snap percentage, and they're throwing in Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins more than we are our wide receivers. What are the Bron- what the Broncos are doing is not normal, especially with this caliber of talent. It's not what other teams are doing, and is consequences and mind-numbingly fun- frustrating to watch. Also, you said this pace, Judy would have 88 catches across a full season. He would also have zero touchdowns and 912 yards across a full season. That just shows what a problem this is, except you guys really should have brought up the zero touchdowns when extrapolating, too. Kind of sucks. Kind of sus. What's sus? Suspicious. Oh, okay. I'm like, does SUS stand? (laughs) I thought I meant sucks anyway. LMAO, love you guys. Thanks for all you do. I learned something new. People refer, say, sus to... A shorthand for suspicious. I didn't know that. Oh uh, yes, that's a big one these days. Um, I've I'm I am so out of it. I'm so. I don't know why that would be suspicious. Uh, but 88 catches for 912 yards uh, for a guy playing in a team with definitely two number one wide receivers, uh, and you can make the case of three. Although I, I probably wouldn't call Tim Patrick a number one wide receiver. Definitely has games where he looks like the number one mm-hmm. wide receiver. Um, but if all three of those guys were producing like that, you'd like it. Obviously, the problem here is that only one is producing. Um, and he's not even producing at that rate. Yeah, and I we mean, talked a lot about the zero TDs. I mean, this is not the first time that that's been brought up on this show. It's, I mean, it's it's mind-boggling that Jerry Judy's sitting here with no touchdowns. But also <laughs> still three red zone targets, because I don't think he yeah. got a red zone target this last no, week. He we did didn't. catch a ball and then run it into the red zone, but that doesn't count. You know, this came up on the radio yesterday. I want to bring this up to you. My radio co- co-host, Eric Goodman, said just talking, having a couple of conversations that he had gathered that that Sutton and Tim Patrick or sus in the comments it said sus is suspect same suspect that su- that you know the the thought that being Sutton would sim- would Sutton and Tim Patrick have re-signed if they knew that everything was going to continue as status quo going into next year because right i mean they secured the bag i mean yeah. that's that's the most important thing it is the most guys. important thing but you can't re-sign them without having some kind of different plan at quarterback, it would seem. Because they're not being maximized right now. Yes, but also in the NFL, any player would tell the cautionary tale of if there's a contract in front of you that is legitimate, sign it, because nothing is guaranteed tomorrow. And quarterbacks do change. And offenses do change. And I think that, I mean, there's no way that George Payton was telling these guys, hey, look, you're going to sign up for three years. Teddy's going to lead us to the promised land. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. Um, so, you – they take their chances. Um, I agree with some of the stuff that Kendall Hinton Hall of Famer is saying here, but it go, it go all it really ends up pointing out is that Teddy Bridgewater isn't great. And he's average, we know that. He's <laughs> average and he's not maximizing the skill sets of his receivers. But they're also running the ball extremely well right, right now, and they're not really asking him to maximize mm-hmm. the skill sets of his receivers. Yeah. But are, are they doing that because of the strength of the running game, or are they doing that because of Teddy's limitations? I think it's both. They both? Yeah. And well, It's the chicken or the egg, Learning right? what your quarterback can't do and not asking him to do it is an important thing. Uh, like, he can do a lot. The number one thing in that, that, that Kendall Hinton Hall of Famer didn't bring up mm-hmm. that I think is really sus <laughs> is that the Broncos aren't getting the benefits of – uh, the run game being so good in the passing game. 
you're not seeing them break open big um, play action passes. And I don't know how that's possible. Well, the thing is, usually the best complement for the running game is the vertical game in the passing because you've got the box filled and you're taking some shots downfield. I mean, it's the old... It's the old Mike Shanahan offense. We've seen it here since time immemorial. When it was working well, you had Trell Davis or Orlando Scary or Mike Anderson or Clinton Portis or Ruben Drones. You get the idea. Didn't matter who. Any of those guys could, could produce. But then the compliment, we all know about the you know the play-action boot, right? Get the play-fake boot, action, go deep. And I can... But even just like the yeah. deep over yeah. should be open on those play action rounds yeah. because you get those, you suck those um, linebackers in towards the line of scrimmage and there's all that space over the middle of the field that you should be able to get out and hit Jerry Judy coming across or Tim Patrick. And like, maybe you could insert Drew Locke for a couple of those plays because <laughs> that, that he can do. He can. He's awesome at that throw. Um, and it's just all the other mistakes you can't live with is the problem. And that's why he's not playing. And honestly, but but that is one thing that he had proven he could do particularly well. If they were in, running, his de, in his defense, if they were running the ball as well as they are right now, last year we might be living in a whole other world. And that's a good point. And that's another thing. Like the story of Drew Locke is going to be that some of that that a good chunk of it was him, but also there were circumstances beyond his control that worked against him. Yep. Both of these things are true. And and I've t- I've told the cautionary tale before Drew Locke. I'll tell it again. All it takes is like one bad year in the NFL where circumstances weren't on your side and you can just fall out of favor. And especially for a quarterback, teams can't like the whole their whole season rests on the quarterback. Yeah. Team, not a lot of teams are in a position to give Drew Locke a chance to be their starter this next year and beyond. I mean, for him, it literally is going to be being in the right place as a backup. And he's got to improve as a backup. He can't like he's got to get to where if he has to get, if he gets thrown in there, he can do better. Mm-hmm. That his his way back means he's going to have to be a good backup. And then when he gets the shot, it doesn't work out the way it did the two games earlier this year. Right. He's got it. He's got to play better than he did. He can't look kind of overwhelmed. For sure. And then you do well. And maybe the starter eventually comes back in, but you've shown up to where somebody says, "Yeah, we'll we'll trade for you. We'll give you a, we'll maybe we'll give you a year, and see." One that, thing, that's it. That is his path back. One thing I would also say is it's not all just Teddy's fault that they can't get that play action game working. I just don't think Pat Shermer's doing a good job of calling it. Yeah. Blame goes in a lot of places. Yep. Zen Bronco comes in and says, My boys, it was great to see what the Broncos did for DT last game. I was watching it at home, but it was still amazing being able to hear the DT chants through the TVs. So I know a lot of you guys say it's playoffs or bust for this coaching staff, but I tend to think that if we get at least a winning record, Vic will be back, especially if the reasons for the losses were on the offense. Can you guys see where this happens? We only get a new OC and special teams coordinator. Or is everyone gone because I'm... 75% sure <laughs> that if that's the case, Vic will stay. Thanks for the pod, and I'll be going up to Denver for the game this weekend against the Bengals. Hope to see you guys there. Go Broncos. Yeah, come to the tailgate, man. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Now, um, I still think it's, it's all about the playoffs wow. for, for Vic and this, and this staff. But you see, like, uh, you do wonder if they go 9-8 and eight and they miss the playoffs. If the art, you know, There's going to be kind of the argument that I'll make, the, make change X, Y, and Z. The problem is this. If it's all about getting a new quarterback, and if let's say option A is Russell Wilson, right? 
And I think maybe if we were saying sitting here today and we could get a look at the Broncos' options, I think we would probably get the sense that option A for 2022, first choice, would be Russ. And if they could make a move at the coaching staff that allows them to come closer to get Russell Wilson, I think they'll do it. Even if it means moving on from Vic Fangio. Man, getting like making a long-term decision like that just to hope that it puts you in a better position, you also must you you also better be really comfortable with that hire and not just be talking yourself into it because of the effects that it could have. Right. And then you have to ask the other thing is then let's say the name Dan Quinn keeps coming up. Yep. Dan Dan Quinn is probably not a worse coach than Vic Fangio though. I don't on balance. I don't think so. Right. So I would say even though you might be downgrading tactically in terms of this defense I don't know if you're downgrading as a head coach. Is there an offensive coordinator that you could hire that if you wanted to stick with Vic, that gives you a, an upper hand there? Well, that's a good question. Depends what happen, happens in Jacksonville because you have either Brian Schottenheimer or Daryl Bevel, both of whom have been the coordinators in Seattle over the years. Are they both in Jacksonville? Yes. Okay. One's the OC, one's the pass game coordinator. They're kind of working hand-in-hand hand with Trevor. Okay. Now, they may look at the situation there, and if they move on from Urban Meyer, would it, it wouldn't surprise me if one of them, probably Bevel, moved into the big chair. Just straight promotion. Just straight promotion just to have continuity for Trevor Lawrence. Mm, continuity of what? <laughs> I think the th- we can kind of point to most of the issues in Jacksonville being Urban Meyer-related. I think they have a lot of issues. I think that but Urban this, Meyer has just magnified right. all of them. I mean, they have some organizational issues, yes. They have a huge but offensive it, line issue. Yeah. But I think but Urban Meyer is sort of the period that ends all senses. That team has too much talent to be sitting at 2-11 and 11 right now. But Urban Meyer Because it's joke. not, you know, the, the old line should be better. They have skill position players of quality. They've got good pass rushers. They actually, that team should have six or seven wins right now. Not two. I, uh, Inexcusable. I agree, especially on the talent front. I looked at that offense before the season, yeah. and I thought, man, this like there could be some kind of um, sleeper fantasy breakout guys here, yeah. and the the offense is just trash. It's in it, yeah, it's, it's inexplicable. But I, but you have good, experienced people that are guiding that offense. I don't think it's on them. I think it's right. I think everything goes down to mismanagement from the the guy in the big chair. From PS2, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but you guys have way too much confidence in Teddy. You guys said he had a good game, and stats-wise, he did. But if you look back, his two touchdowns came from amazing efforts by the pass catchers, one of which was a terrible throw. He had multiple bad passes where the receiver had to make a difficult catch. I know it's a bad thing to complain about a 38-10 win, but I have zero confidence in Teddy. We can beat the bad teams, but he shrinks against the good teams. Didn't, they, didn't he play well against Dallas and the Chargers? He did. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I get the critique, but you can't just say he's... He shrinks against all good teams because he's had some good games against good teams this year. He goes on. He has a great wide receiver trio, an average O-line, an amazing running back duo, and a top-five defense, but he can't capitalize on it when it matters. I know Teddy is better than Locke, but that was never the question. The question was, Teddy was would Teddy be a better quarterback at the end of the season if Locke played? I honestly think Locke would be. I mean, Locke has never had this consistent slash dominant running game. 
or all three of the wide receiver trio. Um, when all three play, they're five and two and two and four when missing one. Not to mention he only had Alberto for four games. Locke had to face so much adversity, and Teddy has faced little to none. Would you guys still have started Teddy at the beginning of the season or give Locke a shot? Uh, they're in playoff contention right. with, with four games left. I mean, you, every I, I personally believe everyone would have signed up for that coming into the season, no matter who the quarterback was. Yes, and I'm and now that being said, I mean, I, I don't know that they. I think they might be like one game worse if they'd had Drew. It's, it's tough to know. I yeah, mean, but we don't know. I mean, yeah. you're existing in, in a different universe. I mean, the one thing that concerned me this summer was that. When the pass rush was cranked up on Drew Locke, he did not show to me that he'd improved. Yeah, that was the one thing I that was, I think, and it, I think it was all, and also uh, there were issues in terms of pre-snap recognition in terms of the practices that that, that I think uh, was a downgrade for him in the coach's eyes. And again, it's not necessarily fair to judge a guy on having to come in at, into a game without with no prep. But he looked very uncomfortable and unsettled mm-hmm. every time he played. There have been a lot of really good backups over the years who could handle that, though. For sure, and and he's just not. He, that's not, that's the, not way the way he's, he's wired. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um, as for th- this, th- it's funny because people talk about how he's not able to take advantage of his weapons, but then knock him for getting the ball to Javante mm-hmm. on that touchdown, and knock him for getting the ball to Albert O on that touchdown. Actually, the Albert O pass was a really good decision. It was, but what I'm nope. saying here is, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, he gave those guys an opportunity to make a play, and they went and made the play. That he didn't make great throw to Javante, mm-hmm. but he got the ball to Javante. He, he had he made the right read. He got the ball to Javante, and Javante made the play for him. That is taking advantage of your weapon. I mean, really, I think that if there's a disappointment here, it's that kind of allude to what we talked about earlier that you need to set your receiving targets up to where they can do more and if you throw it behind them you're not doing that that you want to get the ball out in front you don't want to have Jerry Judy reaching back and low for the ball get it out in front of him and give him a chance to make the first well and Zach was the one who said he had a good game I disagreed with him I said it was an okay game with good numbers Um, it was fine yep exactly It, it was it was it was fine I mean it was nothing nothing special it was fine and that's but, and usually when Teddy, with rare exceptions, if Teddy does well, it's like it's fine, not right. great, fine. You're just hoping it's not a disaster. It's not a disaster. Like you know, and the Chiefs game in some ways was a disaster. Although the second interception, a deflection at the line, that's less on the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be those yeah. things. But the first interception is all on on Bridgewater. It that's seems bad. to happen that way. Uh, when interceptions start to pile up on a quarterback, you know, yeah. it's just there. Oh, all of a sudden you throw a bad throw, and then the next mm-hmm. time it gets tipped and it's picked and whatever. Yeah. Dan Burke, hey guys, I was pretty shocked to hear Vic say that K Jack was one of his all time favorite players. <laughs> just wanted to hear what y'all thought about him saying that and your thoughts on the free agent signing overall. Obviously, the Flacco trade and Juwan James signing of the 2019 class didn't work out, but Kareem has been one of the few free agent success stories in Denver since the 2014 season, in my opinion. What do y'all think? Uh, Vic didn't seem particularly happy that that got out there. Yeah, Zach told uh, told me about that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, and he. It's always that's a terrible feeling as a reporter when you ask a question based off something you saw, and then the coach or the player instantly looks over at the PR guy. Is like, what? Why did they know about that? Well, that's the thing. Like those videos that go out there from the locker room. Patrick Smythe has kind of the final view of them before they get the okay. Why would Vic not want people knowing 
that he said K-Jack was one of his favorite players of all time. Because other be like, well, okay, why am I not one of your favorite players, Vic? It's... Those things aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> but the, but the thing is, name but the other thing every is, player yeah, that's his favorite player. Yeah, the other thing is, every guy in the locker room heard that. Right. So, like, what are you protecting here, Vic? Like, he's worried about um, Sam Mills yeah. sitting at home being like, hey. what?" Sam Mills is dead. Okay. R.I.P. <laughs> Um, who else? Sorry, uh, Ricky Jackson. Yeah, like he's worried about him being like, wait, what about me? Patrick Willis. <laughs> yeah. you know, and they just go to you know go down the list of players over the years. Um, but what do you yeah. think about that? I mean, look, any coach would love Kareem Jackson. He yes. is an absolute missile who mm-hmm. plays with reckless abandon always. Yeah, um, it's like a coach's dream. It honestly gives me anxiety watching Kareem Jackson play because I'm always worried he's going to hurt himself. Well, he's so slight compared to other safeties, like 183 pounds, and he's just long, launching himself at people. But like you know, some like Steve Atwater felt like you were hitting like a wrecking ball. But he was 220. Right, Kareem Big Jackson is like a sniper bullet. Yeah. He just, I mean, he, so uh, I, it doesn't shock me at all. He knows the defense. He plays it really well. Yeah. And he just, he has, he does not care at all about his body. And he's been a great signing, even better signing this year, considering he's cheaper in terms of value. Um, I know Dan mentions uh, Jawan James. Jawan James, I would say, was not a Vic Fangio signing. Jawan James was somebody they'd identified months before. Before the co- before the coaching staff had changed as somebody they wanted. Didn't yeah. they actually try to trade for him the season yes. previous? Yes, they did. I, and interestingly enough, I heard that um, Chris Cooper, who had had him in Miami, yeah. wasn't even consulted about the signing. Right. Which. Yeah, he'd been the assistant online coach in Miami. They bring him in, and they. But again. They'd made up their minds up top in football operations that Jawan James answer. was the guy. Yeah. Which then tells you, yeah, that was a, that was an Elway guy. Yes, that was a big miss. And Joe Flacco, a little bit of everybody, a little bit of Rich Gangarello, mm-hmm. uh, bringing in the uh, Kubiak Shanahan offense, and of course Flacco had run that in Baltimore. A little bit of a Vic Fangio because he had been on the Baltimore staff and he met, wanted a veteran. Wanted a veteran. Met met with Flacco. Uh, in February, kind of just to get all everything ironed out to make sure it would all work out. So, Joe Flacco, that signing, that was a little bit of Elway, that was a little bit of Vic, that was a little bit of Skanks. Everybody, everybody had a hand in Flacco. Jawan James, definitely more of a football operations signing. Kareem Jackson, a little bit more of a Vic signing. I got to get to this one. We're we're running out of time, and we do have a super chat to hit too. So I'm gonna uh, okay. again. If we didn't get to yours today, I'm sorry. We just um, we went too long on some of the questions. We cop- apologize. Copied over. This is the this comes in from Cosmo Kelly. It's one of the hottest takes I've ever seen in the in the comment section. Well, is it hotter than uh, Zach's uh, trade take last week? I would say so. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> here we go. Oh God, no! Please, no! Russell Wilson is a hard pass. I don't know how you guys can't see it. I think so highly of you guys. I know you can see through this facade that Russ is elite. You repeatedly say that mediocre is the worst place to be, and Russ is the epitome of mediocre. Yeah, he's good and better than what we've had in a long time. However, most of his good seasons and high-quality wins are on stacked teams. How Have you seen him in the last two seasons on a normal team? Everyone wants to say the Hawks are bad right now, but they're really just mediocre, and the QB isn't raising the ships. 
My brother is a diehard Hawks fan, so I've seen plenty of Russ over the years, and honestly, he's QB 10 to 20. He's not much of an upgrade, especially factoring in the price tag, both in salary and draft capital. This will look like a prettier, um, this will look like a prettier world, but at the end of the day, it would still be a world of suck for years to come. Believe me or not, but remember this post when it all falls to the ground. This guy isn't. I'm sorry. I couldn't disagree more uh, with this. Russell Wilson, mediocre. QB 10 to 20? I, w- I want to know who he has as 10. Also, yeah. him saying Seattle's roster's not bad right now? Their roster's worse they're, than Jacksonville. Their roster's by, like, awful. a lot. I'm yeah. sorry. That, they've done a complete crap job of drafting for the most part. It That roster reminds me of end stage Peyton years for the Colts Mm. when you had Peyton some good skill players and they were the guys that were kind of holding up the the tent the circus tent and it was hollow underneath and that's what you look at with Seattle I see a very hollow roster right now it's not deep a lot of a lot of players are that are they're starting would be backups on a lot of teams and the quarter and and the thing is they they lack the draft capital because of that it's terrible really Jamal terrible Adams Jamal Adams trade. Yeah, that, I mean you look at him, you see DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, Jamal Adams. I mean, okay, you're like okay, and Tyler Lockett, and Tyler Lockett. You see you, you see some stars there, but then you go you start going on the roster and it's just it's a, it it is a hollowed it's a hollowed out roster at this point. And I just. I mean, first of all, the offensive line has and been Bobby, a and, I, and I'd be remiss not, not to, me- to mention Bobby Wagner, who's still a terrific. Hey, he's he's still a really good player. He he's not, he's not what he was five years ago, but he's still a. Wagner had fifteen tackles on Sunday. Yeah, here's what I will acknowledge about Russell Wilson. I think that the problems with that roster have made Russ develop some really bad habits. Yes, um, and. Some of that is always wanting the big play, um, you know, not making his way to his check down because um, they can't they can't matriculate their way yep. in the parlance of Hank Stram down the field. I, I, they need the big chunk and he's trying to make it happen and he's trying to make it happen with a finger that's still busted. We're going to point that out, too. Yes. Um, but also, he leaves the pocket. He has a he's seeing a little bit of ghost because they've never given him a good offensive line. Um, right. You know, like he's he's constantly running for his life back there and he's capable of doing it and making plays. I think that if you were to put Russell Wilson in a, an extremely stable situation, like t- trade out Tom Brady right. and Russell Wilson in Tampa. And I think you would see the exact level of uh, play that, you know, we've seen from Russ at, at his peak. All right. The other thing is, like we talk, I know he, better. he was playing at a league MVP level early last year, and then Seattle he had one kind of shaky game, and then all of a sudden Pete Carroll kind of got the willies, and they started just not, you know, they started going away from what had worked earlier in the season. But let's look at Russ's last sixteen games, okay? And what do you think his touchdown to interception ratio is for the last sixteen games? I have no clue, including playoffs. What do you got? 27 to 8. <laughs> That's not mediocre. Right. That's not mediocre. I'm so I'm sorry and I I I could not I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to denigrate a commenter, 
I just couldn't disagree with more with this. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, the commenter knows they're coming with a super hot take. Here. Yes, um, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with Russ. Um, I, I don't, I don't think he's ever gonna make it to the, to the mountaintop again if he stays uh, in Seattle. But he might make it here. But I think he absolutely could here, and I think there's some other situations that'll be interested in having him as well, where he could as well. Um, I don't know how the Saints would ever make that work, but the salary cap is fake, so it's possible. Um, and then Philadelphia has the draft capital, plus Philadelphia can send Jalen Hurts back. Philadelphia would be – he. I think he would succeed there. Um, and then the Giants, they have two top ten picks. Yep. Philadelphia I don't, I don't think has, Daniel Jones has as much value as Jalen Hurts in going back to Seattle. I worry about the Giants. Um, yeah. At least the Eagles have recent success, but I don't know about their coaching staff. They also have some of those offensive line problems. Did you see John Mara yesterday kind of reaffirming his belief in Joe Judge? Comparing yep. him to Bill Belichick. Yep, yep. God. Uh, Joe Judge hasn't, like, done anything particularly embarrassing yet. I don't know. There was some. Remember the week two against Washington? There was some game management stuff. Well, I'm sure there's. Yeah, there, there's a little. There, there's some galaxy brain game management going on with the Giants now. What they are now with Mike Glennon at quarterback, you know. I, okay. It doesn't mean anything. It does. It means nothing. Glennon's terrible. Actually, if anything, this shows that Daniel Jones isn't as bad as people think. Daniel Jones is a weird one, just because uh, he seems close to being. Okay. Yeah, he really does. Like he's like you can see the glimpses. Yeah. You can see the flashes. And then he just and then he then he, then he turns the ball over. He's also like a really really good athlete. Yeah. Um anyways, I mean, the, the Daniel Jones Drew Lock corollary. They're both the 2019 draft guys. They're both really good athletes. They both make some really nice plays and they undermine themselves. We can only hope that the Broncos get Russell Wilson and we get to find out who's right us. Or Cosmo Kelly. Yes. Uh, Appreciate it, Cosmo, though. Thank you. Yes, and let's finish with the Super Chats, Kale. Super. Oh, we got some. Uh, One Super Chat here from Ian B. Not here for Baker's wife tweeting that receivers need to be tougher when Baker doesn't play well. Toxic to a young locker room. Great player, though. Um, I hate ruling out a player. Are we ruling out Patrick Mahomes because his wife has, uh, you know, embarrassed him a couple times. I really hate using a player's spouse or significant other and their social media presences against a player. I think that's kind of unfair, but it doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, Drew Locke's mom didn't do him any favors. No, Um, you know these these types of things happen, and I totally understand how family members have an inclination to want to defend their family. Do you remember when uh, Cam Cameron got up there and talked about Ted Ginn and said, we're not just drafting Ted Ginn, we're drafting his family as a reason why the Dolphins drafted Ted Ginn over Brady Quinn back in 07? Interesting. No, maybe, but remember. maybe there is something in the whole thing of that you do draft a guy's family Well, when, I mean, you, uh, when you pick him. There's certain things that you definitely have to deal with, but... Like obviously Tim Tebow's family was like heavily involved and um, inserting mm-hmm. themselves and very opinionated about certain things. Yes, um, and that just went into the overarching Tim Tebow world that the Broncos had to live in there for a little while. Um, it was very nice that what, what Tebow said about Demarius last week, though. Yes, it was. Probably, there were a lot of heartfelt comments. His, his was one of the ones that was really touching and I, I, I think completely. Tim I think Tim nailed the sentiment there. I have a lot of respect for Tim Tebow. Yeah. Um always. Um give credit where credit is due. That's the thing. Yep. Yeah. Um 
Okay. Uh, I think we can wrap there. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think you worry about something that someone's wife tweeted. In fact, I don't even know if that would even make it across George Payton's desk in the evaluation if they were trying to make that move. It would make it to his desk because there'd be a dossier of all sorts of info, and there'd be somebody, probably in the Broncos' PR department, that would have kind of a social media... Wrap up? Wrap up, or, you know, how... uh, You know, just kind of social media summary of what comes with with this player. I mean, they do that for all the, the draft picks. Like, there's a, there's literally a page, like, in the Broncos draft books, and most teams do this as well, they have, they'll have they have a page or so devoted to, like, like, social media and what kind of presence the player has on social media. Is it non-existent? Is it all positive? Is there some questionable stuff? People around them, et cetera. That is, believe me, the, le- you know, think the, the, the deep dives into these guys are beyond, are probably beyond what most people can comprehend. Oh yeah, I mean, and social media is easy. It's there on the surface. You've heard stories of like team, like teams talking to the janitor at the college and asking oh, yeah. him, "Hey, like, was he nice to you? Was he good to you?" That's like, part of what makes sub scouts really valuable is they have these contacts that are you know in you know in because they're janitors or they're or they work for the campus police department or yep. that sort of thing. You know? yep. It's really or, interesting. Or their profe- or or their professors in in places where a lot of in courses that a lot of football players have. I, yeah. I'm sure they even know all the way down to whether the player has good breath or not. And if you want to have good breath, nice. come to our friends Segway. over at Green Mountain Dental Group, where you can schedule a cleaning, X-ray, and exam, and get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do. They're family. They're big Denver sports fans. When you go down there, you could have a Broncos conversation as you know you're getting whatever work done that you need. Um, or if you're just getting that schedule, uh, that that cleaning x-ray and exam again, you get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do so. Just 15 minutes outside of downtown over there in Lakewood. Great place to go if you need any work done. So hit up our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. But that is going to wrap it up for today. For Mace, I'm RK. We'll catch you guys tomorrow. Flying cotton